What's up, everybody? This is Ryan Staley, and you are listening to the Sales and Marketing Built Freedom Podcast, where we share with you the underground ninja skills and tactics the top sales and marketing leaders are using to create financial and lifestyle freedom. And the question that everybody is asking is, how do I create financial and lifestyle freedom for me? That is the question, and this show is the answer. What is up, everybody? This is Ryan with Sales and Marketing Build Freedom Show. I have a very, very special guest today. I have Mark Firth. Mark is an absolute B2B growth expert. He's done a lot on LinkedIn, and I'm super, super happy to have you on today, man. Welcome. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited to be here at last. At last, yeah. For those of you that uh, weren't here in the background, I wasn't filming any uh, like stories or anything. Every every possible technical issue got jacked up. We were mm-hmm. trying to get Mark on here. So like we're saying, you just got to roll with it, man. So anyways, why don't you give everybody on the show just a little bit of backdrop about you, man, your background, you know, how you kind of got to this point. Oh, basically your superhero origin story so we can understand that. All right, I'll keep this brief. I want everybody here to have, have a chance to listen to Ryan and myself a conversation. But I started my career in B2B sales back in 2003, cold calling. I started at IBM. I worked at Siemens. I worked at what was known as the dealer channel in tele- telecommunications and, and IT in the United Kingdom. Had enough. By the time I reached 30, I'd had enough. Corporate wasn't for me. I went there to make money, get freedom, get time. I got none of it. I got pretty low. Well, I was making, you know, six figures, but it wasn't enough for what I wanted to do with my life. So I started the business, Linkpreneurs. We started helping other small business owners and solo business owners to grow their B2B coach or consulting business or small business. And something that's very different about the way we do things with zero automation. We've done a lot around LinkedIn and we have not touched a piece of software since early 2018. We believe in relationships, informing, entertaining, and educating. So thank you for inviting me, Ryan. Uh, yeah, man. You got the uh, the English accent, so it, it notches up your IQ like another 50 Apparently 10 points. <laughs> but um, the Australian accent is, is allegedly the most trusted in the States. I've seen studies. Really? Is that yeah. what it is? I did not yeah. know that. I get, I get, I got to brush myself up on that one, man. And just, just create one. You know, I think like Hugh Jackman does that, right? Hugh Jackman actually has the Australian accent, but he he makes it sound yeah. like American in his movies and stuff like that. So yeah, I'll, I'll do the Apo. So so for you, man. So so walk me through this, dude. I love the fact that you're leveraging LinkedIn. You're building relationships yep. without automation, right? Everybody's gotten spammed to the bejesus yep. uh, from automation. Uh, I tinker with it, you know, just cu- out of curiosity to see what it was like. I yep. Really think it's for me. We all have. We've all yeah. been there. And, and so, yeah, you just kind of try it because you're like, sweet, it's yeah. on autopilot. How does it work? So, so tell us, you know, what you mean and how you kind of approach it. Because I think people would be very intrigued. All right. So, so what happened was back in 2018, as, as, as I just mentioned, we were not getting leads. Like 2017 was like the heyday of LinkedIn. It was like skipping for a meadow, blue skies, the sun's, sun was out. People were like, wow, you sent me a message. Yeah, let's get on a call. 2018, it got like to a busy river with everyone fishing from that river. And we immediately saw that the writing on the wall in terms of response, engagement, quality of prospects. So what we did, we just messaged everyone personally and asked them why they didn't respond. And, and when we did this, we did this to a whole subset of people done over a month. And we got 
80% of the replies fitted into three categories. Number one, um, I get so many of these messages every day, leave me alone, i.e. we're no longer standing out. Number two, I'm not looking for what you're selling right now, which has obviously triggered someone in the wrong way. And also the statistics say only 3% of people are buyer ready and actively looking for the solution you sell. Or number three, which kind of hurt the most, was I can't take you seriously when you send automated messages. And when we think about it, we are who we attract. We don't get what we want, we get who we are. So if we don't respect people's time, guess what we get? People who don't respect our time and don't jump on calls. So we set about designing a system of personalization, of starting conversations, using the information already available in people's profiles, using their background, understanding a bit about them. And we've since started pouring fuel on the fire by supplementing that with a two-minute video strategy. And it's, it's worked fantastic. Yeah. Hundreds of clients have made millions of dollars using the process. Nice. So you're saying, yeah, okay, I like that, man. So you're doing manual messages, right? Yep. So less is more. Probably, uh, do are they substantially more targeted in terms of the the customization or how do you kind of approach that? It's, it's systemized. It's not like you're right, sitting down and writing an individual message for every... Look, the, okay, let's use the analogy. The analogy I use here is called the intercom principle. If you go, if you imagine... I haven't got a whiteboard here, but if you imagine a block of apartments, right? Mm-hmm. And you live at the top of the building at the back and at the front door there is an intercom. If you need to get access to that building, you would press the intercom and announce the reason for your visit. I'm delivering a pizza, your taxi's here, your Uber's here, your Amazon package is here, right? And the person would buzz you in, you go up the stairs and get to the door. Now, if you were to just get to the top of the door without pressing the intercom and start banging on the door, people are not going to let you into their world. They're not going to let you into their apartment. They're going to be scared. They're going to be put off. So yeah, we just leverage that principle. We like LinkedIn is, is very unique and it's staring us in the face and sometimes people forget it, but we can just go down the profiles of, you know, hundreds, sometimes even thousands of words, depending on, on how much people put. Um, you can find anything you want on an individual to create that reason for the visit, to create the reason to start the conversation. And people say to me, oh, but my, my niche isn't live on LinkedIn. Well, I can tell you what, they're live online. That's changed since last year. You can find it on Google. It's lazy. There's always a way to start a conversation naturally because here's the deal. The intercom principle is just really a disguise for a principle of psychology. Conversations need context. You don't start a conversation without context. Otherwise, people think you're loopy. And we just leveraged that and systemized it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Can you can you uh, just go one level deeper in terms of yep. like specific examples of like? Right. And I love it. You know, I love the intercom uh, analogy. I think that's really strong, man. So yep. yeah, g- give us like a specific example. So where do you? Right. <laughs> well, what's everybody's favorite subject? <laughs> Themselves. Themselves. Yeah, yeah. What do people? Yeah, like we we we, we would typically. Look, I'll give you an example. What what, what we might do. We might look at where someone was um, at a, a year of importance. So we might look at, for instance, when was the last downturn? The last downturn was when I bought my apartment, 2007. Mm-hmm. There was a big downturn. We might look and say, oh, I see it in 2007, the last down. This is what we did very successfully last year. Obviously, what we would do, do now has changed, but I don't want to reveal all the gold right now because um, my, my, my clients are using it. But we'd have looked at 2007. I see you work at so-and-so in the last downturn. How's it different dealing with what's going on right now at the new place? And, and they clearly know you've looked at the profile. They clearly know it's an intelligent level of conversation because we haven't just gone on there and go, hi there, we're experts in quadrupling your growth and we've helped 10 people. No, you've, you've actually given context. You've given the seed for a conversation. You've created the, a great opportunity for them to talk about how they're dealing with challenging circumstances. And everyone loves to talk about how they're dealing with um, challenging circumstances. And the second one we do is, is we, call experts, we call it experts take a stance. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the theory behind that is that everybody on LinkedIn is asking questions, right? That was an example of a question we did last year. These days, we are, we're doing what's called experts take a stance. And the idea is this, that everyone's asking questions so you don't stand out. Actually, the best way to elicit information from an individual is making a statement, making a statement on a polarizing issue and giving them a chance to, um, to correct what you say. Um, so we, you know, like take the coaching industry. We've obviously, we've used Tony Robbins as an example there. We've gone and asked people, you know, you've seen what happens with Tony Robbins in the news. Do you think this is great for the coaching industry or not? Um, we, and then we tag on the end. We think it's great because guess what? When you, you, you may as well weed out the people who are going to share with you on your interests, who are up for a conversation, who like to debate at a certain level. And we found using statements has been much more powerful than open questions because we all know value-based selling, spin selling, challenger sale, all the traditional B2B sales methodologies are based around open questions. It's like putting a big signpost on our forehead so saying, we're going to sell you once we've had two turns of this conversation. <laughs> so making the statement... And doing it very strategically actually surprises people and they know the level of debate they're getting in. Are you getting what I'm saying? Oh, totally, man. I love that. Yeah. I think that's, that's highly creative and yeah. it's, it's yeah. really strong in terms of uh, just, it's so funny yeah. that you're saying that because I was listening to, um, to something and Dan Henry was talking about this yep. this morning about pol- polarization, right? Yes. Yeah. It aligns Sorry. with what you're talking about. Like yeah. every time you're going to make somebody happy, you're going to make someone else sad, you know? The, the, so. The other analogy I give for this, which is maybe a better analogy, if I could give that, is it is 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 that okay? Is go for is, it, man. Yeah, if, roll, if, roll. if now we're opening back up, everything's finishing. If you're invited to a dinner, and and you're going to the the, the dinner, like and you're you get invited in, there's a big wooden table, you know, it's very formal, and sat around the table at the who's who of your industry. You know you need to make a good impression. You know if you make a good impression, you'll have lots of clients, lots of contacts, and lots of leverage, and, you know, everything is rosy and sunny as you move on. You sit down, you're making yourself comfortable, and, and someone says to you, what, do you think, what did you think of the election result, Ryan? You, you're kind of looking around the table going, where do I go with this? Do I go extreme? And will they accept that? Or, or do, I, do, I, do I tone it down? But if I tone it down, they think I don't know what I'm saying. In other words, you don't know where to go. There's no guidance. There's no leadership in the question. Let's right. replay the same scenario. People, you sat around the table and they go, Ryan, what, what did you think to the action? And they tag on the end. I think, I think there was a lot of controversy. By the way, this is not a political statement. This is just an example. Don't get angry. Right. I, I, right. But I, um, what did you think to the election? I thought there was lots of ups and downs. And, and, and to be honest, I think it was unfair, but it was a bit of both on both sides. What do you think? You've got that chunk of information to know that this is a reasonable conversation. It's not a zealot. It's not going to go crazy. You're not going to get thrown out. So you know immediately level of conversation and then it's balanced. So you feel more comfortable answering. So that's what we do on LinkedIn. We'll tag the statements on the end and it just gives people the clue to what they, they need to know. That makes sense? Yeah, totally makes sense, man. So, yeah. so what do you say um, are the biggest mistakes you see folks making? The biggest mistake at the moment is uh, that I'm seeing on LinkedIn is is following the influencers. It's not that the automation; it used to be automation. Trying to follow the automation was a huge mistake. At the moment, there's a, LinkedIn's evolved, and there's 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 a number of influencers with hundreds of thousands of followers, and fair on them. I'm not criticising them. All I'm saying is we have to look a bit deeper at what they're doing before we make a determination if it's going to fit us, rather than blindly following. Because if you look at a lot of the influencers, there are exceptions. Their content is very, very broad. Let me define broad. It's targeting employees 
and solopreneurs. It's targeting mm-hmm. vice presidents all the way down to the cleaner, up to the CEO. It's very broad, humorous memes. It's very broad and shallow and diluted content. And just to bring in the likes and the comments. And that's fair enough because what they're then doing, and they're very smart, is they're leveraging that to then sell a service to get inbound leads. But if you think it, about your B2B business, if you're talking to a very specific market with a very specific set of problems, go and run the search on Sales Navigator and look how many of them are and active. You are not going to get the same effect as them by doing that influencer strategy. Yes, it's important to entertain as well as inform and educate, but there needs to be a very specific market message match and you need to speak to their very specific problems. Otherwise, you'll end up with a ton of followers who don't actually need your service. So that's the first mistake people are making. They're, They're going for this memes and all this, but they also need to mix it with very specific content that actually shows people that they know what they're talking about and solves problems for them. And that they're not doing that to support the direct messaging. They still need to do the direct messaging. They're either doing the huge broad influencer stuff or loads of broad like fruit machine type playing the numbers messaging when really they need a mix of it being more specific to support each other. That the, the videos leverage the messaging and the messaging leverages the videos. That's what I see now. It's, they're kind of caught between the two. And I get it because that some of this content's pretty damn convincing. Yeah, no, I, I love that analogy, man. So who's, who's and I'm not going to ask you who you don't like, right? But who, who do you think is doing a great job of that? Like, Oh, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy to share. I'm happy to share. I, I know her personally. She's met my wife. Um, Shay Robottom, I think, does a fantastic job because what I love about Shay is, um, if you're watching Shay, great, great to see you. Um, she is not afraid to share opinions. She's not afraid to polarize. She's not afraid to, to put all her followers on the line with controversial content. And I think that's great. And, and, and I know she has a fantastic business and I've actually been on um, coached her clients. I know she has a fantastic group of clients. So I think she's doing a great job there in terms of leveraging the platform and not, she, she's, she's very good. The reason she's very good, she's got this massive reach, but at the same time, she speaks to very specific needs and wants and, and is not afraid to be controversial. So yeah, I respect her a lot. Yeah, she does a great job. I've, I've had her on. Um, I had her on one of my summits before, and she did a great job. And she was, uh, you know, when I when I was talking to her with the camera off, she's the same person as when yeah. the camera's on or when the yeah. camera's off. She's she seems like a sweetheart. So uh, yeah, so we um, props, props to her. So she does that on video, which is really unique. Yeah. Is there anybody that you've seen who, who's like an all tech side or a little bit different that has had you know really strong results as well? Oh, yeah. So Chaz Horn, who um, we've known each other a long time. There's a guy called Chaz Horn I give a shout out to, who's what I call a Chaz. I don't don't want this to come along the wrong way if you're watching it, but he's a traditional B2B sales guy who worked his way up through the 80s and 90s. He knows how to sell. And what he's done, and as as, as I'm sure you've seen in, 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 in your niche dealing with a lot of B2B businesses, there's still a lot of guys out there that are very good at sales. They could probably pick up the phone book if they were starting in the 90s and, and do a good business. But the world has changed. You can't just be good at sales. You've also got to be good at marketing now. And Chaz yeah. has managed to mix those two. And I, I really appreciate Chaz. We chat often about strategies and what's working. And we share because, you know, rising tide lifts all boats. And ultimately, mm-hmm. we're both in it. And I know you are because we want clients to get results. So we share all the time. And I know we've had great conversations too, Ryan. Yeah, man. No, it's, it's, I love always talking to you on these things, man. That's why I'm excited you're able to share with uh, everybody else as well. Cause like, yeah. I, I think, you know, you know, like everybody kind of like lambasts the whole direct messaging strategy. And I think it's, it's not bad as long as you, you sell the people the right way. Right. So, so the, 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 the issue very rarely is the direct messaging strategy. It's the product to offer. That's the issue. 
-hmm. Direct messaging still works for certain niches and offers. I mean, Eugene Swartz talks about it in Break for Advertising. It won't work for some. There's certain offers that have got such a degree of saturation that you, you've got to get more creative coaching. Selling to coaches is one of them. It's, it's a traditionally finicky niche that don't like to be sold to, <laughs> even though that's the one thing they've got to do to build the business, but that's another topic. Um, it's difficult there. But if you've got a very, if you've got a, a non-make-money-offer online offer and, and you've generally got, gen, generally got a moat around your offer and a, at least a bit of differentiation, you can mm. still get away with a great direct messaging strategy because the offer will carry you forwards. I mean, if you've got a great offer, you can almost get to the point where you're telling people to, you know what, off, and they'll still want to talk to you. But if you've got a, a, an awful offer and you're William Shakespeare in the messaging, you're still not going to get the calls. It's, it's the classic case of you've got to be careful, going back to the, what are the idea I just spent about the influencers and the direct messaging and being in the middle. What is right for somebody else, their business, their funnel, their clients' needs, their wants, their market is not going to be the same for you. You really need to, if you're going to work with someone to grow the business, really get someone that understands marketing, not just a, a subset of tactics within marketing. And that's the big mistake, I think, that leads people to just trying the DM strategy and DM, DM without understanding what their offer is, what the problem is they're solving, you know? That's huge. Yeah, so, so essentially what I hear you saying is it's, it's one of your tools – but it's not the hammer and your only tool, right? No, exactly. You've got to have the whole set. You've got to be able to do content. You've got to have a good offer. You've got to be able to present yourself online. You've got to be able to do copywriting. You can't just anymore go and spam people's inboxes without understanding why you're doing it. Because it might work for your offer, but you need to understand if it will or it won't and, and why. Oh, totally. I get that. So I think yeah. that's, that's brilliant, man. So, so what's what, like you mentioned millions of dollars with, with some of the folks that you've worked with in yep. terms of creating an outcome. Can you walk us through a specific story where, you know, from the beginning when they implemented it, what happened and then like the end result, I'd love to hear just more detail. All right. So we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, um, I can't name the name because if I mentioned oh. the company, they've got an MDA, but the, 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 the business is a very well-known um, social media platform that's got a big F in the logo and is, is a lot in the news, and the owner shares the first name with me, all right, the founder. So we actually had a client get a deal with them. We, they came in. We showed them, because we don't just do the, the mass market stuff, we showed them how to build the relationships. We showed them how to position their offer. This was analytics and user interface design, which is huge in the social media world. And we basically just showed them how to target two or three companies, how to build the relationships with them, how to get a strategy, start the conversation, how to research them all online, find where they are. And instead of what, what I've, I've seen some people do, go, oh, no, that's too much work. Oh, no, I haven't got time for that. They diligently went about it. They started the conversations and they got a deal with one of the biggest companies in the world. That's one way we've done it. The other way we've done it is with another lady, who I won't name, but she's a LinkedIn top voice now in, in helping um, creative professionals to land jobs in the hidden job market. She came in literally the weekend after the country got closed last week, year for, for the you-know-what. Um, they shut the uh, airports. And she's built a business from nowhere. Just she, she literally goes, no, I don't want to do messaging. <laughs> she just did content. So we went with it. We helped with the content, built the business from scratch from the content. And she's moved apartment, LinkedIn, top voice, super connected. She knows more people than me. I know no one on LinkedIn now. And, and it's always wonderful to see those kind of two extremes grow because it shows the two different ways you can do it. And it goes back to this point. 
what is right for, you know, the person in the feed with 200,000 followers is not necessarily going to be right for you. Yeah. And what's right for the person sending 200 DMs a day using some special software and multiple profiles and hidden, hidden profiles and connections isn't necessarily going to be right for you. And I use those two examples to demonstrate it. Some of you you've got to choose three companies and spend your whole life getting some of you got to go to the masses. <laughs> And, and I, yeah, my favorite when you're talking about multiple IPs is when yeah. I get, uh, when I get a, a catfish account, it's uh, yeah. trying to connect with me. And it's like, yeah. it's like, a, it's like a very attractive female that has like three connections who has some obscure job. And it's just like, hi, like that's I, all. I, I, What's I, um, yeah, I put my Sherlock, hat, Sherlock Holmes hat on um, uh, a couple of months ago, actually, because I got, I got a request. And yeah, look, like you're saying, when something, the general rule, you know, there's not really anything consistent in life except the laws of physics, gravity, and so forth. But I've, I've come to learn that when something feels off online, it's <laughs> as close to the law of physics you can. I was like, this profile looks off. So I looked down at the reviews, and there was one review clicked through onto the review. I won't name the names. I don't believe in name and shame. We all make mistakes. Maybe they moved on. And it was a, a woman who was a LinkedIn expert. I messaged her and going, this is a fake account. And this fake account's given you fake reviews, hasn't it? <laughs> and it's because she had reviews from the fake account. And it just shows you've oh, got wow. to be careful online. You've got to be careful. You've got to do your due diligence. Just like yeah. you would do if you get married, you do your due diligence, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's a terrible analogy. Don't throw me off the platform, please. <laughs> uh, so, so, Mark, walk us through, like, so somebody at home, you yep. know, and I know you gave two different examples. One was more content-based, one was mm. more um, yep. DM-based. So walk us through, like, a framework that someone can apply and how they could leverage it to, to grow their business. Yeah. Could, could you give me an example of a business and, and an offer just so I can get some dynamics and context in this to help my, sure, give my thinking? Yeah. Let's say, let's yeah. say it's B2B, right? Yep, like, B2B. I know that's, that's your wheelhouse man. Yep. Or that's your jam. And let's say it's someone who's uh, I'll give an example. I won't name any of my clients, but let's say it's someone who's got, you know, they're selling $40,000 SaaS deals, right? So right. A SaaS deal for, $40,000. Well, to the mid-market, then maybe. Yeah, mid-market, probably anywhere yeah. between, in terms of annual revenue, maybe five to a hundred million in revenue. Right. Here's, the here's, here's the first thing I do, and oh God, I'm giving away the keys to the castle here, but there's something that so many people miss on LinkedIn. Um, let's assume that at least that maybe that owner of that business or at least someone in that business went to a college and is college mm -hmm. educated. Statistically um, speaking, from what I've seen, that's not, an, that's not a crazy out-on-the-moon alien hypothesis. LinkedIn is the only platform on the internet that allows you to cross-reference the college that someone went to with your target market. What is college? It's a formative experience where you develop as an individual. I hope so. I've, I've heard they changed a bit when they're at work. Anyway, we'll leave that right. Um, so it's it's a formative it's a formative experience, and you share a bond with anyone that went to that college, regardless of that if they were there at the same time. So the first thing I get all my clients to do is, is I call it search stacking, right? Is to look at the college they went to. This is how exactly how I got my business going. I went mm -hmm. to the college I went to and I cross-referenced the search, the keyword search with people in my market. I messaged them and say, hey, you went to so-and-so, Aston University. I, I lived in Old Cross House. I, I saw you went to Aston. I was in Old Cross House. Great to see you doing great things. Only a business like me would love to connect. 
bang, I've got so many conversations because I shared that for, those formative years of my life. So the first thing I would do as any B2B owner is find someone in the, in, in the business that went to college, right? Cross-reference to college with your target market. And look, if you can find someone that went to the same college as you, that lives in the same state as you, and is following Tony Robbins, like there's just, you, you could have six people. And I can guarantee that you would be able to get a call from one of those six people doing something right. There's just too much familiarity. Because going back to what I said earlier in the conversation, conversations need context. A cold prospecting campaign is, by definition, a conversation with no context. Why would you ever go cold when you can cross-reference universities, past employers? I worked at IBM. How many hundred thousand people have worked at IBM that I can then approach? And that's a, that's a pretty strong culture, big blue. So I would start by forgetting about cold prospecting and draw a timeline of your life. Where did you live? Where did you work? What college did you go to? What professional mm-hmm. certifications did you have? And cross-reference those searches because that's not a cold prospect. That's a conversation with, 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 with context. There's no need really to ever go cold on LinkedIn to be honest, because there's always something that someone in your team would do. That's exactly what I do. Once you've, you've done that, you can start... Um, I always say, I always use the example of Brenny Brown and um, Grant Cardone. If you don't know who they are, go and have a look. But like nothing wrong with either, and I respect them both. They're just going to attract an entirely different group of people. Grant Cardone oh, yeah. is money, the 10X, the tight, sharp suits, the tailored suits. You know, um, um, a no is a sign of interest, whereas Brenny Brown is about leadership, <laughs> conscious, holistic, Right. That yeah. The probability is, I, I seem to attract people that like them both, like from both worlds, but that's unusual. Like you've got to be looking for who you're following. If you're in the financial world, I would immediately be looking at people following Ray Dalio if you're in high net worth individuals, because you're not going to follow Ray Dalio if you're broke normally. Mm-hmm. So yeah, start looking for, instead of just doing the cold prospecting, start really thinking about the commonalities, the shared interests, and creating that context. If you think about creating context rather than lead generation and reframe your thinking... Yeah, you'll get so many ideas. It'd be crazy. So much fire there, man. I love that. Uh, it's it's. So, <laughs> I'm seeing a pattern for me too. I um I had a guy, a gentleman named Jason Bay, on my yep. show a couple of weeks ago. Do you know Jason at all or no? I don't know him. I don't know actually, but uh, I've heard the name. I can't think where. Yeah, he, he's a, he's a great guy, and um, so he he applies the same principles of what you're talking about. Yep. To outbound. Like to yeah. outbound prospecting, like over email, not on LinkedIn. And so, oh yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, it's... same relevance approach. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I think that's that's great. So just to kind of recap, what you're talking about is basically we got, um, you know, find a couple common threads, right? Like if you had mm-hmm. it, ideally school or like somebody they follow or an interest in that mm-hmm. area, reach out and connect. And then you know, what would you say in terms of like frequency? approach from there like and then what are typical outcomes that that you see people get in terms of frequency in terms of how long they should spend on it how well how long how long do they spend on it right yeah like like give me an example so like with this process right they spend an hour a day a couple hours a week how so, many, you know, just give me some more detail and context. So the, the, the way we, we, we recommend this is you've you, you got to get the process up and running, then you can outsource it. You can outsource it to a virtual assistant or you can outsource it to a, a staff member. But the, the, the virtual assistant and the staff member are very unlikely to have the skill set and knowledge required to put the process together. In other words, you've got to have the process ready 
to hand over. What we do when we work with clients is we give them kind of a, a fast testing phase where they'll try all the different triggers. Triggers is just a behavioral trigger, a reason for a conversation. Right. Not just a conversation. Right. Different ones work for different niches, depending how active they are on LinkedIn, how conservative they are, lawyers, <laughs> um, and, and various things like that. So each, each, each market is going to have a different trigger to use. So they get them testing. It should, you know, look... One hour a day is how much you should be spending on this once you've got a VO and broad. Um, a lot of people, I do see a pattern in, in the more established businesses. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll dedicate time up to this until we get it going and outsource it. When it comes to like the smaller businesses, the struggling businesses, it's like, I don't have time for that. I'm like, well, if you don't have time to build your business then and do lead generation, then the, the reality is the prospects for your business are, are medium to fair in, in, in the short to long term. Do you know what I mean? A rainy day is coming. So it's a question of finding the time to learn the process. A lot of people make the mistake of, of outsourcing to done-for-you agencies in the LinkedIn space. Mm-hmm. And some of them are good. Some of them are good. And I have referral networks if people want that. But um, they're the ones that know how to form an offer, how to build the process. The ones that don't, that just want to run a process – you need to put it together first because that's not their wheelhouse, you know? Yeah, man. Love it. So a lot, lot of great things you, you dropped here. I love the different perspective. I think you absolutely crushed it. We're just about up on time, though. I don't mm. I can talk to you about this for another hour um, at least, right? Just getting in the nuances. But I yep. think you gave some, some great uh, ideas for folks to start implementing. So thank you for that, man. Uh, so where, where can people find you online? Um, how can they get some more Mark Firth? And uh, all right, so, so LinkedIn or markfirthonline.com. Okay, markfirthonline.com is my website. Super simple, man. So I love that, man. Uh, appreciate you, appreciate you coming on the show, and uh, look forward to seeing everybody on the next episode. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you for spending the time with me today. I know that time is one of the most valuable resources, so I truly honor and appreciate you coming along this journey with me. One of the things that I wanna ask you is if you really truly enjoyed this and know someone that this can make an impact on, please share this episode with them. If you're on a journey for financial and lifestyle freedom, it is always exponentially better if we're building a tribe with like-minded people who are on the same journey. In addition, I have an amazing PDF for you that could be career changing in terms of the content. Essentially what it is are the top 10 questions that every big customer is asking behind closed doors that no one is telling you about. I'll put a link for it in the show notes. So check it out. It's my free gift for you for being a part of this launch and being a part of this journey with me. And I hope to see you soon.